two can play that game. Hey, I'm Pete Steele. And I'm Andrew Miller. And welcome to Two Can Play That Game, the podcast for people who have one friend. And uh, hey, guess what? We're going to we're taking a little break from the regular show this week to Ooh. bring you. <laughs> Thank God well, we're not... taking a break. Andrew. No, 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 no. it's not a total break. break. We're, we're still Hold recording on. here. What? We're, we're recording. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a little break <laughs> from the regular show to bring you uh, an extra special bonus episode here talking with a game hmm. designer today. And, oh, uh, really? Yes. Yes. You, we've done well, this. Well, well, well. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. Don't act now I'm actually happy that we're not taking a break because today we get a chance to talk to a great game designer. We're going to be talking with Dan Nichols, who is the founder and face, really, of Gadabout Games, which is an independent board game developer and publisher that's based out of Austin, Texas. And he is the designer of their very first game that they've published, Turf War. And so, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. So, Dan, this is the first game that you have designed that has actually gotten published, right? Have you have you ever done a game before they got published by a different company? Oh, uh, so a, a long, long time ago, I was working for uh, a video game company oh. and uh, not as a designer, though. So I was, mm-hmm, I was working mm-hmm. in testing and, of course, doing my best to backdoor design the game through bug tickets. Hell um, yeah. And uh, I, I've tortured my friends and family for uh, a number of years just doing little kind of custom games or gift games or, or things like that. But yeah. This was the first go at at uh, trying to make the world play. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I don't want to get into a review of the game, but we we think we think it was a great uh, first go of it. Quite frankly, um, now, so as a designer, do you feel like you have certain designers that you look up to or like aspire to reach the level of, as kind of like a newer published designer? Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, I, I have to go back to, to Richard Garfield since he, he kind of started yeah. the game. Yeah, together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, or uh, Donald X with, with Dominion. Um, yeah. Just, uh, just amazing, very creative, outside-the-box designers, uh, both of them. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's astonishing what they've been able to do and the kind of influence that they've been able to have on, on game design as a, a practice. I feel like yeah. that was a, uh, a, a different um, climate than we're in right now with the uh, board game world, for sure. You know, especially yeah. talking about Magic the Gathering way back then, it was like, start a board game. What are you talking about? Yeah, not many people did that. Back yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talk, uh, even just with the industry and the kind of state that it, it's in that, um, maybe this is a little bit like the the 90s comic book boom of, yeah. of mm-hmm. the board game industry where you know everybody and their brother or their brother's cousin's dentist has a board game coming out or they're working on yeah. something and there's yeah you know a million indie publishers that you know it, it, with the exception of get about games uh is are not going to be here in a in a couple of years right um right so, right right oh, right of course yeah you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really it, at the same time though um, you have this uh, inc- just incredible creativity and you know everyone coming at it from their their own angles and, and doing their their own thing, um, 
So, I mean, it's a, it's a great time to be in the industry bubble or not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, I'm going to immediately sidetrack you and ask you if you, speaking of Richard Garfield, have you ever played uh, Android Netrunner, which I is, no. ooh, okay, Andrew, we got to, we got to get Dan on the, tr- on the train. We, we covered that in a, in a previous episode and uh, Richard Garfield also was behind that one too. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, Technically, we I guess Netrunner, right? Netrunner was his we, version and right. then. True, true, true. It turned into well, Android Netrunner. Android Netrunner, which was, you know, I mean, it's the core of it is still that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a a re, you know, um, a rehab or whatnot of the uh, of the look. It's like a cyberpunk cyberpunk, uh, kind of Magic the Gathering type of thing. Have you guys checked out The Hunger yet? His his newer game. Oh, is he behind The Hunger? The with the with the vampires? He's in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I've seen some stuff about it and I've heard that it's good and I am interested. Um, is, it two, is it two player? Is it two player? Only? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think they actually have a one player mode uh, too. But mm, that's fine. Everybody, every game except for tour four has a one player mode these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solo is a big what? thing to include in it. Now, what does that uh, tell Andrew, you about? It is, it, <laughs> it is not the only two players, so oh, it's not. you'll okay. never touch it. Andrew. No, I, I'll never touch it. What does that tell you about the state of thing? All these board games have one player versions. I've, I've noticed that also. I was like, hmm. There was a pandemic and yeah. not everyone yeah. likes to play board games. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe we should have done, yeah, we should have done a podcast with people with no friends, Pete. That's what we should have done, really. Because that, that seems to be where the yeah. industry's heading these days. I'm working on it, Andrew. I'm cutting. I'm okay. Cutting, uh, you okay. Know I mean? I'm cutting you out soon. <laughs> okay, can't wait. <laughs> um yes but that and uh, and i know richard garfield also um i believe was behind uh keyforge as well which is something i haven't dipped too mm-hmm. much of a toe into but um uh but yeah those are all kind of like those kind of um collectible or slash living card games um mm-hmm. that exist so i know i know that happens to be an area of your interest and was was a big influence on you you know i mean magic the gathering and dominion right yeah absolutely yeah i think one of the things that um is is interesting as about magic as a game is not just the longevity but the extent to which that kind of design and development process has happened in the public eye right mm. um so yeah you know like many magic players have gone through long periods of time where not going to spend four dollars on uh, a, a few pieces of cardboard wrapped in foil today right? <laughs> yeah um and even during that time, uh, reading stuff uh, like Blogatard from from Mark Rosewater, uh, you know, reading uh, the the development journals on on the, the website, that was still really interesting uh, content to me uh, as as an aspiring designer at the, at that time too. Uh, to not just see that finished product of the, of the game, but to go really deep into all of the the journeys of the the cards and the sets and how those things came together and how they uh, teased out different kinds of strategies or sharpened angles for expansion sets or mm. responded to the things that their their player base was was seeing and, and feeling um, that that kind of ex- extent to which magics existed in the public eye has been. Mm-hmm very cool uh even even on top of just a game that i enjoyed right yeah right 
Uh, and I feel, and there was, there was some of that also in Android Netrunner too, where there was like, uh, in a similar way, they, they came out with all these different like expansions and different ways of playing the game that they added onto it. And then eventually, once they stopped officially publishing those, then unofficially, like uh, um, some uh, amateur groups took over and started making their own and stuff like that. And I think it speaks to, like you were saying, the great design and what it fostered uh you know with rich with richard garfield's games where because it's it's like andrew and i have seen this too um one of our friends uh in sensei who she is like by a, the way a, not a friend a, oh oops yeah sorry uh <laughs> oh breaking the fourth wall um she was she's she's huge into go um the game of of go and teaching it and and um spreading it and then at some point she got recently she got really back obsessed with magic the gathering again too um and you see people like i I know like i follow jamie stegmeyer who is you know the very popular uh, designer of scythe and and a bunch of other games for stonemeyer um and he is pretty obsessed with magic the gathering and he posts about new cards all the time and everything like that and i think it's just like along with you it's all people who have a very sharp mind for game mechanics you know i mean seem to be very drawn to it and excited at to see what they come up with next which is it's fascinating well i mean it it makes sense because it is a a game where uh it is just rules it is lots and lots of game rules cut up and pasted on little pieces of paper and there's art to go with every game rule and (laughs) it's it just, it makes my designer lizard brain happy. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Now you're talking about people who make their own uh, Magic Gathering cards, Android Netrunner cards. I know that uh, mm-hmm. you, Dan, I were talking uh, via email, you were saying you had made some of your own custom cards for some of these games. I just want to let you know, I am currently working on some custom cards for Turf War, uh, you know, just fan-made cards, <laughs> just uh, mm. you know, put that out there. But let's get into Turf War here. So this is the, this is the big game, right? Yeah. Dan's, Dan, so, Dan's just Dan's just getting his lawyer on uh, speed dial here as you, no, as you so, talk about ripping so off me, his own game. Let me say um, one of the things that we did as part of the Kickstarter campaign is add some blank cards to yes. the final product. Uh, so I, I'm totally behind you and your Sharpie just going to town and yeah, getting nice. in there yes. and making some neighbors, making some events yeah. to play with. I would say friends, bringing your friends into the game, but I know there's just one. So. I have my yeah, Pete he doesn't Steel want card me in right there. Here. Yeah, no, he doesn't want that. He's going to, yeah, he's going to make that one. I don't want him making that one because it's going to be real <laughs> embarrassing. You know, he's going to be like, uh, when you when you play this card, your pants fall down or something like that. i be like, Andrew, come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but it was it was important to me to uh, embrace some of the creativity uh, that yeah. the community can can bring to the table and and really give folks an opportunity to feel like this is a game that they could make a little bit their own and also see start to see um, you know how this this expands and extends over over time. Now, yeah. Now um, a little peek behind the curtain here. We are. Um... Gonna re- we have an episode coming up about this game. We played it. Uh, yeah. Pete and I really enjoyed playing mm-hmm. it. Um, but mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think if you're listening to this, you're probably hearing it before that episode comes out. Yeah. So, Dan, mm-hmm. could you give us our your elevator pitch here for Turf War? And for anybody who's not familiar, what is what is the game all about? Yeah, so Turf War is the dueling game of neighborhood rivals. So mm-hmm. you and your opponent play as two neighbors locked in a fierce competition to prove once and for all that you are the best on the block. And the way that you're gonna do that is by building up your own yard, 
uh, adding things like features, adding lawn ornaments, making it nice and spiffy, and then waiting until your, your rival has left and then sneaking over to their yard and, and trying to sabotage the, the place. And you're, so you're, you're gonna be doing this kind of build up to your yard. Uh, you're gonna be trying to uh, get the, the most kind of victory points available. Uh, but in order to get all that great stuff to, to build up your yard, you're gonna have to decide, am I gonna be home and working on my yard? Or am I gonna be away and go to the store and go to work so I can get money and get more stuff? But it's that moment that you are shields down. You are just creating opportunities for, for your rival to sneak over and, and wreak some havoc on you. Yeah. Um, the, the game is, is played with uh, just a, a random set of, of other neighbors who are ultimately really gonna be the judge of, of whether you have the, the better yard or not. And so you're, you're gonna be trying to tailor your yard to impress each of their, their different tastes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and, uh, and it adds for, a, uh, makes for a lot of variety. Like you said, oh, there are every new game you kind of randomize, not only the neighbors that come out, like you said, but also like what gets sold in the store, which you refer to, um, et cetera. So it's every game is, is different basically with you give it a shuffle of the cards and, and you see what, see what comes out. Um, and, uh, I, and also you put an emphasis on, and I know that, um, get about games, your company specifically places an emphasis on, um, games that travel really well. Like this is a very compact game. These yeah. are small cards, um, but they are just as big as they need to be basically. But when you put them all together and into a box, you know, it's, it fits in your fist basically. Um, are you as a game developer, are you, um, always thinking about portability in mind as you develop these games, or do you think of a game idea and then kind of shrink them down? Yeah, so part of it is is just not making more than, than you need to. A, a really uh, hot yeah. topic in the industry right now is uh, the potato chip bag board game, right? Where yeah. You, yeah. you take off the lid and whoosh, here's all this new board game air that just rushes out because the box that you bought is mostly kind of air and packing material and all that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, compounding that, uh, you see shipping costs going through the roof. Yeah. You see players building bigger and bigger board game collections and just yeah. not having space to store all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, having a, a game that, uh, you know, ships well, travels well, is, is light, it's easy to pick up and throw in your pocket, but it still gives you that full kind of play experience that you might get from, from a big box game. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was something that, that was a, a really strong appeal to me. And I, I mean, we, we talked about uh, Dominion a little bit earlier with um, when we were talking about designers and I, I think it was a, a real light bulb moment for me when I saw uh, like Star Realms come out years and years ago and it took a lot of those kind of gameplay elements uh, without this giant box, without the, the plastic insert. Um, and, you know, it, it really demonstrated that you can get this kind of rich play experience from just a game and a, a few cards in a tuck box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is a game that we had covered um, 
uh, ooh, I don't remember when this one came up, Andrew, but we we covered um, Circle the Wagons at some point, which is a, a button shy game. Button shy, uh, a company based in our uh, home state of New Jersey that does a lot of very compact, uh, what they call like wallet games, where it's all the cards can kind of fit into a a bifold almost. Um, and um, and it's it's always amazing to us when we see a designer kind of like you said, just basically sh- get it down cut out all the fat but also not cut out so much that it doesn't feel like it's a game with meat on its bones you know well yeah. even even down with with turf war even down to the the uh the part where you keep track of how much money you have you know yeah. it's just a card that you're like turning there or whatever so uh, it, that could have been little cardboard coins or something like that but i think this is you know i, I was impressed as soon as i saw that i was like oh that's clever yeah. absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely not take credit for that. Uh, that that's, that's going to the wise wizard folks with uh, Star Wars. <laughs> <Rose. laughs> okay, got you. Yes, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, but no, I mean it's it's impressive, and like you said, it's you have to kind of resist the urge to, um, you know, give in to the the feeling that you need a big box to 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 catch eyes to sell units or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like that is um the going uh, advice or whatever that's out there but but you have to really think to yourself what if i was if if i had this game what would i want you know i mean would i want a big box that has enough you know has a lot of empty space um or do i think that people are going to start talking about the fact that this isn't like that and that will help me you know what i mean and selling yeah, these things. I, I mean shelf appeal is a thing right mm-hmm. like you, you do yeah. need to be able to catch people's eye you do need to do something to, to get them interested in the game but it does also mean something uh different in, in an era where a lot of sales are, are digital or where a lot of people are going into their local game store talking about something that they played and wanting to check out you know, this game that their their friend told them about or that they saw online through or heard about through the um, through your podcast or, you know, oh, where, yeah. wherever that, um, you know, they the shelf appeal is is great, um, but it, it isn't everything. And it's it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the thing that's going to get someone to keep a game. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, you don't I know that I think about it um, these days, not a lot of people go to a, a board game store or just really any store and just like, hmm, let me just look around and see what's here. You know, it's usually you go into a store with a, with intent, you know, or you just buy it online. So, yeah. I, I, I totally go into board game stores and look around and see what's yeah. there. So, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But I, I, I will spend an hour or two doing that too. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like going to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both both types of stores that I, I like just kind of getting lost in. Um, but but also I, I totally agree with you in terms of um, there's some there's there's a there's a value in so there's the value of seeing them on the shelf and wanting to buy it because it you know, wows you with the size of the box or whatever. Sure. Okay. There's value in that, but there's also the value in what we just talked about where Andrew and I both on our own had the same reaction to this being such a small package and, and such a tight design. We were just like, wow, I'm impressed at how this was designed. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm impressed at how they were able to boil this down to, to something that takes up so little space. And I think there's value in that too. And that gets you talking to somebody else about that and whatnot. So I think maybe that's just a value that's not really talked about as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it is something um, I, I've heard from folks who, who have played the game too, that uh, 
you know, like it is impressively small. And and just for the folks who are listening to this, uh, like look at the palm of your hand and then imagine yep. that, that that is a board game box because that, right. that's what we're, we're talking about. And, yeah, imagine there's a cube in it here. and uh, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I got it, I was like very surprised. I was like, wow, this is super. And then I I, I told Pete over the phone, I was yeah. like, yeah, this is like the smallest game I've ever seen. And you were like, okay. Yeah. And then when I, when I gave it to you, you were like, Oh wow, this is oh, really. You I was know, like, I was oh, like, this is small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Believe me. Uh, now, Dan, you were also talking about the fact that there is, you know, while doing that, while trying to shrink the game down as much as you can to kind of cut out what you don't need, you mm -hmm. also have to keep in mind: I still want this to be a a very much a, a game experience. Like, the, I don't want this to be just some gimmick you know what i mean i want it to actually feel like they're playing a full game you know what i mean like you said like a big box game but in a smaller size uh and honestly that that was my takeaway from this game quite frankly i was i was also impressed at how even with its size it really felt like you went through a battle you know what i mean with with someone else and you really had an experience and you went through a full game you know what i mean and really felt like you this wasn't just like a filler type thing and so that feels like it really just comes down to to balance so, you know i mean making a game that is that you know um it, it, it and and the balance comes from play testing i would assume basically so it's like i feel like there are a lot of games that get released real quickly and they are kind of gimmicky or they are kind of one-dimensional and it lacks that balance um that would kind of make it last longer uh and uh, and and that doesn't this game does not have that and so i would assume that it boils down to a lot of like people getting people's reactions and play testing it and tweaking it and and making it more balanced um yeah. so there, there's really i mean there, there's two stages where that that happens right mm -hmm. um you know part part of it is is the balance and that's that's something that happens later where you're kind of balance um you know balancing different game elements against one another pushing and pulling mm -hmm. different different things to check power levels uh, things like that but there, there is a step earlier in the design process where you are purposely building strategies into the game. Okay. And uh, where you're trying to create strategies that are uh, strong against some other strategies or weak against some other strategies that have a different kind of tempo to them. They're good, kind of fast and furious and early, or, you know, they, they really uh, just snowball in the long game, or they have a nice kind of smooth bell cur curve to them and kind of st start a little slow and end a, a little slow, but uh, go, go strong in the middle. Um, and you're trying to, make sure that those those strategies have different foils for one another. Uh, in, in Turf War, for instance, one of the uh, the strongest strategies is, is going uh, you know, really heavily into plants and plants want to grow. They want to stack up. They want to yeah. kind of get all on this one uh, square in your yard, but then there are uh, there are a few pest cards in, in the game that the attacks that the other player can play that are really going to give you a bad time if you're putting all of uh, all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so putting those kind of uh, plays and counterplays uh, into the the game from the start that's what that's what's giving you that raw material to riff on and see what uh, what your players are picking up on and how 
they're then kind of recombining uh, different elements of those strategies or pursuing a couple different strategies uh, mm -hmm. at, at times so that you can start to, to really see how those things uh, work out in play um, yeah. and how they might complement one another. I, I definitely experienced this when playing this game. A few of the cards that would come up, you know, I'd be like, well, why would I want to? I, I specifically remember it was the birdhouse, Pete. I, I had the birdhouse yeah. and, it, and it brings a bunch of pests to your yard. I was like, why would I ever want right. to put this in my yard? And then I quickly, and then I think I was, I played it and I realized, oh, that there's this one pest, the dog, and I could keep getting free cards from that one. And so I, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. there is some strategy to this. There's some reason, there's a reason behind just about everything in there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Birdhouse because that is one of those cards that uh, has a lot of different ways you can play it. And, mm -hmm. you know, depending on uh, whether Dennis, the neighbor who loves pests, is out there. Right. Okay, well, Birdhouse is a real quick way to get three pests in your yard and, and yeah. make Dennis happy. Um, but it's also an ornament card. So that makes Amelia, a different neighbor, happy. So what yeah. if they're both in the, the mix and then like, wow, you know. Huge combo. Really mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a bunch of pests in the trash and there's a bunch of pests in the store and uh, you just want to wait for your rival to go away so you can throw a birdhouse in their yard and just, right. uh, you know, make them have a bad time for the next couple turns, right? So mm -hmm. it, it is important uh, for cards like that to have those those kind of dual purposes and the a little bit of, the, of that tension of, should this go in my yard or should that go in their yard? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, when you talk about like, once you have those strategies in place and you have actually created like a prototype and, and you're going to, and you mentioned like watching people and seeing if they just go for one strategy, if they go for multiple strategies, which strategies to go for and stuff like that. Are those people generally, those play testers that you're watching play, are they mainly friends and family? Are you looking for gamers specifically and you go out and try to find people that are interested in gaming to test them out? Yeah, so um, with with Turf War, it was mainly friends and family that yeah. I, I subjected to this. Um, you know, I, I think uh, on the Kickstarter credited my my head victim uh, Brian, who uh, you know play tested this this with me all through uh, the pandemic, and yeah. uh, got to sit through a lot of really terrible iterations of the the game to get to some <laughs> good ones. Yeah. Um, so you know, with, with Brian's help, with other friends and and and, and family's help, um, you know, we I, I was able to to get kind of the the core of, of that game down and started to uh, to branch out a little bit further. Getting uh, feedback from uh, local folks at local game stores and in, in store play events, um, you know, just getting strangers to to play your game. Uh, you're always learning something new um, mm -hmm. and. I mean, that, that's the thing about that kind of balancing and playtesting phase of, of the game too, is also that I, I could still be tweaking the cards right now. <laughs> you know, yes. every, every time you see some kind of play scenario, every time you see something happen, it's going to spark some kind of new idea. So you do eventually have to to kind of call it and say, yes, this this is the, the game experience. People are consistently having the, the kind of experiences I, I want them to have playing this game. That, that yeah. must be um, tough to kind of cut it off and be like, all right, that's the game, uh, you know. <laughs> Well, you know that that's uh, that's why we do expansions. Too. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. If you right, if you really want to keep going, you can. You can know? we expect yeah. to see any um, 
magical creatures, dragons, and such in this game. Uh, coming up here, man. <laughs> well, the uh, as part of the Kickstarter promotion, we did a fantasy pack. So there yeah. were uh, five special neighbors: a, a wizard, a knight, um, a, a princess, and, and so on. That uh, you could mm-hmm. you know, shuffle into the deck and, and yeah. try and impress a dragon if if you wanted to to live next door to one. I did yeah. notice that. I did notice that, and I, I just it got me thinking. Yeah, you, you're ripe for expansions here. You could, I mean, all the neighbors are pretty, you know, caricatures of maybe people you might see around your real neighborhood in real life. But mm-hmm. you could get nuts with this thing. I think it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the um, we for the main turf war sets for the main expansions, we are going to be sticking in kind of reality for oh, okay. for now at least. So the the first expansion that uh, we're going to be dropping this fall, uh, we're mm-hmm. we're going to be heading into a Kickstarter for it. Uh, is going to be Halloween. So Turf War. Turf. Oh, that's great. That's perfect. Yes. yes. Can we uh, expect to be like, is it like, perfect. Um, I don't know where you are, but around here we have this tradition called Mischief Night where kids are smashing pumpkins the night before uh-huh. Halloween, stuff like that. Oh, oh, don't worry. There are kids who are going to be smashing your pumpkin. Oh, perfect. You- <laughs> <laughs> so, that's um, awesome. Yeah. You were talking about playtesting too. So uh, this is going to be the first uh, Turf War uh, expansion that we're going to be testing online. So we're inviting some folks to uh, come and and help us play on a Tabletopia version of that. uh, Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, hey, you know where to find us. We'd love to help out. Uh, Dan, this was uh, awesome talking to you about this and getting some insight into just what it's like to, you know, start your own company, be a designer, get your stuff published, et cetera. Uh, and what goes into really kind of the inner workings of, of making a game. Oh, and that reminds me one other thing that we want to bring to our listeners' attention is that Dan and Gadabout Games have been super generous and uh, thoughtful. And they said, hey, if your listeners uh, want to use a promo code to get a little bit of money off the pre-order for Turf War, uh, use this code. And they created a code for us, which is awesome. That code is 2022 can play that game. Very clever. So 2022 C-A-N-P-L-A-Y-T-H-A-T-G-A-M-E. I don't know why I spelled all that out, but there you go. Now you can't get it wrong. 2022 can play that game. Uh, And that's going to get you five bucks off the pre-order of this game, which honestly brings it down to just such a low price that you you can't not take advantage of it. Um, so I know we, I know we didn't uh, do the episode yet about the game, but we don't want to give too much away, but I think you should take advantage of this. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it's, we, we both liked it. If you couldn't tell. And, uh, honestly, I like that promo code too. I was, when I saw that, I was like, man, why did I not think of that? I should have tweeted that on, uh, on new year's or something like that. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's an Andrew tweet for sure. (laughs) Missed it. Missed the opportunity. Oh, well, but, uh, yeah, check that out. But anyway, Dan, do us a favor. How do people, um, when this comes out, um, tell us how people can find this game and when they can find it. Uh, and also just, you know, anything you want to plug for you, how they can keep keep up with you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you want to head over to turf4.info, uh, you will discover everything. Turf4, you'll be able to uh, order the game, pick up a copy for yourself. Uh, you can also just head to your local game store and, and ask for it. We are going to be doing some uh, release tournaments, release events with with some of our uh, our retail partners out there. So, uh, you know, get get to your store and ask them about uh, hosting an event if you're interested too. 
And what what is the estimated um, you know release time that, that, that you think it might start showing up on shelves and stores? Yep. So uh, we should be delivering everything this April. So cool. Okay, it. April twenty twenty two. There we go. Perfect. Love it. Um, and then, do you have anything? I don't know if you have like. Um, uh, sometimes designers try, you know, love their social media presence and sometimes they don't. I don't know if that's something that you actually uh, put a lot of time into or not. Uh, your social media, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find us um, all, all across the, the social web as, as Gad About Games. Uh, Gad About Games, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done anything with TikTok, but Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, all, all, all that, we've, we've got a presence cool. there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel free to to reach out and chat us up there, or uh, sign up for our newsletter on, on getabout.games. Yeah, awesome. And it, and I can't stress enough to our our listeners that like this is a really cool opportunity to to jump on uh, like a brand new company that's about to make you know make a bunch of great stuff. So um, this is a, this is a cool opportunity to like get in while the getting's good. You know, what I mean, before it becomes a big company. I think that's great. Well, thank you. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show here. And uh, I just want to let our listeners know that um, this conver- although this conversation is ending right now, it doesn't have to end. Uh, we're going to keep on talking to Dan about some other things, about some, uh, some influences for the game and just some other general fun stuff. Um, but the only way to hear that is to get on our Patreon. Yeah, that's right, Andrew. Business is over. Uh, th- we're clocking out. You know the whist, the Fred Flintstone whistle is, is uh, I'm pulling on the pterodactyl's tail. Does it a pterodactyl? I can't remember. Anyway, we're sliding down the brontosaurus's neck, and we're going straight to the bowling alley with Dan, which is uh, which is what we call the fun zone, the strike zone, uh, and we're gonna have fun over there. And you can join us if you want, because it's literally to get access to that, uh, you can go to our smallest Patreon level, which is two dollars a month, which is hey pretty much nothing to, to or just two dollars and then cancel i'm not i'm not above saying or two dollars <laughs> listen all you want and then cancel what, what do i care you know what i mean uh but anyway that's where you're going to find the second part of this interview where we just keep um yapping uh with with dan here uh but if uh, otherwise this is the end of this one so we wanted to say thanks for tuning in and uh we'll talk to you again andrew on on three let's say goodbye <laughs> three two one Goodbye. Well, fine. All right. Okay. Goodbye. Great show. Yeah, great, great. Okay. All right. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean?